Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sox Pod with Charlie and Zidane. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Charlie. Before we start, I just want to shout the socials again. Again, the Sox Pod on Instagram, TikTok. TikTok, we usually post um, a couple clips from the episodes just to, you know, get us out there and hopefully uh, blow up on there so we get more viewers. But before I have Zidane preview this upcoming episode, I want to correct the mistake that I made in last episode. I completely forgot about Frank Thomas. I don't know why. So for that DH spot, I wanted to take Jim Tomei out of the equation since he did play for the White Sox, but most of his career was with the Indians. Frank Thomas was probably one of the best White Sox players of all time, and I just don't know how I forgot. Now that now with that being said, Zidane, what do we got going on for today's episode? Okay, so we're going to start it off with a lot of news from the White Sox specifically. There's some big news right there that we're definitely going to talk about. Then a lot of just off-season news and rumors around the MLB. Then we're going to talk about the recent announced uh, announcing of the Rookie of the Year winners in the MLB, AL and NL. And we'll talk about that, the yeah, Rookie of the Year, later in the podcast as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, we also have some more White Sox news with some of our players winning awards. Then we have our awards predictions for the awards this year, including the ones that have already been announced. And as we said before, Rookie of the Year was announced yesterday. Manager of the Year will be announced today. And finally, we'll be ending it off with looking at a list of perfect free agents for each MLB team. We'll just be talking about it. So, Charlie, you want to start us off? All right, so we both gathered uh, some stories, and we would like to share with you guys. So I did, I did found I did find that Michael Brantley could be re-signing with the Houston Astros, and I think that for them it just means that they're trying to hold on to some of their older players so they can um, build around them and add some new young guys. But I do I added that because um, a couple episodes ago when we did our updated free agent wish list. I had Michael Brantley on there, so that seems less and less likely to happen. Uh, Zidane found something about Francisco Lindor. Would you like to share that? Share that? So there have been rampant trade rumors about Francisco Lindor. It definitely looks like the Indians will be moving on and trading Francisco Lindor before opening day. I would say don't expect anything until like December. They seem to be waiting on it, trying to gather as many trades as they can. But uh, some few early landing spots that we could see is the Mets. They just got a new owner, a new influx of money. Their owners, their last owners were cheap. Steve Cohen, he didn't buy an MLB team to cheap to be cheap. And also, even possibly the Dodgers, they could get even better if they wanted to by getting Francisco Lindor. We'll see what happens with that situation. Okay, Charlie, you want to take us to our next piece of of news? Yes, to add on to that little. Uh... Francisco Lindor news. I was watching this YouTuber Fuzzy. He does like MLB The Show videos and he's a big Indians fan. And he was just saying that all of his friends that are Indians fans and him uh, including as well, are going to be pretty sad because Lindor, when they made that World Series run, uh, when they eventually lost to the Cubs, he was obviously their best player. You know, obviously the second half of the season this year wasn't uh, too good, but I just think he is such a good player and whoever lands him are pretty, is pretty lucky. So the next piece of news is Tony La Russa, it looks to win fast. And I've heard that. I heard that when he got hired, and I've, heard it, I've been hearing more news stories in the past couple of days because it would make sense because why would we uh, hire a new manager or an old manager if we, don't look, if we don't look to win fast and if he doesn't look to win fast? And I think that gives me some hope, but the stories that we'll talk about later on definitely don't give me hope. But... Tony La Russa, he also looks to be aggressive in the offseason buying players. I think, obviously, when we shared our, our offseason wish list, I think that is the key and most important part in our success for the 2021 season. So, yeah, that's just my take on Tony La Russa. Looks to be aggressive, and I hope that's true. Zidane, what's our next piece of news? Here's another team looking to be aggressive, the Toronto Blue Jays. They have a great young core, and they're looking to add some more pieces. Specifically, I've heard a lot of rumors about George Springer and Jackie Bradley Jr. bringing him over from the rival Boston Red Sox. But they've got a young core. They've got Hunter Ryu keeping that ace of the rotation. 
So they're looking to add pieces because they know if their young players improve as they did last year and become even better, they can make a run at the wild card this year. Okay, Charlie, you want to take us to our next piece of news? So the rookie of the year for AL and NL got released yesterday, and uh, definitely not a surprise in the American League. Obviously, Luis Robert, close to our hearts as White Sox fans, but as we've mentioned before on the early episodes, his second month was terrible. His average was not good, less than 200. Kyle Lewis was consistent, maybe definitely did not have that good of a first month as Luis Robert wasn't as popular and wasn't as liked, but his average and his hits OPS was definitely stayed more steady than Luis Robert. And I think that's what uh, got him the award. I'm not going to go too much in depth because we do have this in our next segment, but NL rookie of the year, Devin Williams, Zidane, I know he really likes the guy, uh, loves the Brewers uh, pitching rotation and Devin Williams was a huge part. And I well, I'll actually share my order for the NL and AL Rookie of the Year, but we'll get into that later. Zidane, there's been news of the White Sox Silver Slug Awards. Do you want to get into that? Here's some great news for the White Sox, just reflecting back on our great regular season. Jose Abreu, Ilo Jimenez, and Tim Anderson win their Silver Sluggers at their respective positions. Very well-deserved for every single one of them. Jose Abreu. MVP finalist looks to maybe be the front runner. We'll see how that happens. Tim Anderson actually was top 10 in MVP as well. Obviously not as good as Jose, but still had a great season. And Eloy, we know we like Eloy bombs here. So he played very well, was a great hitter. Defense, we don't talk about. That's why it went silver sluggers, not gold gloves. Okay, Charlie, you want to take us into our next piece of news? Well, I think this is the most important part. And probably a huge part why we included this new segment. Tony LaRussa has news came out yesterday. I'm pretty sure around like seven or eight o'clock that a day before he signed his contract as head coach for the White Sox, he got charged with his second DUI. And I know people definitely make mistakes and obviously it's not the most serious um, sort of like thing to do, but it's his second one, and it shows that his mind right now is not on baseball, and it shows that he, he could be tipping over the edge. He's an, old, he's an old guy, and he has spent years out of the coaching job because he, he's old and he wanted a break, and I think that just proves more from my opinion and I think of Zidane's opinion why he should not have been our coach. And I've talked to Zidane over the past couple of days, and he agrees with me now. And I was – I was thinking when I saw this, how Tony LaRusso looks to be aggressive and how we want to buy in the offseason. I was like, all right, cool. Because I was, I was thinking that if we got Tony LaRusso, hopefully we would buy in the offseason. And that's what I heard. But now it, it just shows he is not the perfect man for the job. I'm not going to say everything because I definitely want Zidane's take on it. So without further ado, Zidane, what's your take on this huge piece of uh, Tony LaRusso news? I'm going to start with some context because this is going to take a while. The White Sox have just executed what I believe to be the perfect rebuild. This is what teams dream of. When you're going to see other teams going to rebuilds, the Tigers and the Royals right now and the Pirates, these teams that need to rebuild, you're going to see they're going to do exactly what the White Sox did. They had homegrown talent. Luis Robert, Jose Abreu signed international, so they got international free agents. They also had homegrown talent as well. But the as such as Tim Anderson, but the big thing for the White Sox was they weren't afraid to trade their key players, and the biggest one was Chris Sale. He's so good, but we traded him, and look what we got back. We got Michael Kopech, Yoan Moncada, great players, and we traded Jose Quintana. We traded Adam Eden, and we got these good players, and now they've developed, and now we've become a good team. And then I understand you need championship experience. You need postseason experience. That's what Tony Lusa brings. We've always said this. He is a good postseason coach. That's That's why they brought him over. But this reflects terrible on the organization. As a manager and as a person, he knew that this was a controversial pick. And then he goes out and does something like this. This is just throwing gas on the fire. Do we believe in him? 
because this is just disgraceful. It's a disgrace to the organization. He's people already didn't believe in him, and I, 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 in my personal opinion, I think he was probably celebrating because he's like, oh, I have a lockdown on such a great coaching job. I understand drinking, but driving drunk—that's that's terrible. And now, I you didn't mention this, but as you said, we wanted to be aggressive buyers, and I believe in my wish list for the offseason and yours was Marcus Stroman. Let, well, let me tell you, we're not getting him. He tweeted out that when a fan referenced to Tony Lusa, sure he didn't say, but we knew he was talking about Tony Lusa. He said there's no amount of money that will make him pay, play for Tony LaRusa. So we've lost out on one of the biggest free agents in the pitching market, which is what we need. So I told Charlie this already. It's we need if it's I really say it's Bauer or bust. If we don't get Trevor Bauer, Tony Larusa will not have a good time in Chicago. He will be hated by the fans. Look how he started off in a few in a few weeks in the office he's had. What has he done? Be criticized by media, fans, MLB, anyone in this community alike have been have criticized the choice. And then he goes out and gets a DUI. This is not a good look for this organization. And I'm definitely not happy about this. Charlie, you want to elaborate on your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a reason why I didn't go to in depth because uh, Zidane, yesterday uh, we were talking on FaceTime and he had a really good take. So I wanted to save his really good take for today's podcast. And I thought he did a good job there. Uh, I just want to say about his Bauer bus comment. I think. It is accurate in some ways, but I think I'm a little a little lower on that take than Zidane is because I think there are still some good options, but what this whole Bauer bust and what this Marcus Stroman comment says about it, our organization and the whole Tony LaRusso situation, it shows, or in my, my opinion, I think it shows that lots of people, as well as Marcus Stroman, will not want to come to, to the Chicago White Sox because of Tony LaRusso, just for that sole reason. I think if we got A.J. Hinch, maybe we could have lost out on Bauer, um, but we could have attracted so many other players. And I think those like four or five players that we could have gotten, I don't know about that much, but like four or three players that we could have gotten would outweigh us not getting Bauer. But now, with hiring Tony, Russo, Tony LaRusso, sure, it invites – Trevor Bauer, but does he want to play for him? That's the question. And it also invites the question, do players other than Bauer want to play for him? And I think with that Marcus Stroman, Marcus Stroman comment, we just got that answer. And I think that reflects terribly on the organization. But yet again, we still have to see what this offseason bring, brings us. We won't get too ahead of ourselves, but I think this is a very bad look on the organization. And Zidane, we will now um, go into our next portion of the podcast which is the award picks the award picks we did our winners but we also did in order so from three to one who we want least and who we want most so Zidane starting off AL Rookie of the Year and NL Rookie of the Year I know it already happened but what was your order on that well um I'll start off with NL Rookie of the Year oh, I messed up my page excuse me I'm gonna start off with any Rookie of the Year and I guess the association and me have pretty similar thoughts. And number three, I had Drake Cronenworth. Jake Cronenworth for the San Diego Padres. Sure, he wasn't Fernando Tatis or Manny Machado this year, but he was an integral part of that offense, even if he was lower in the order. I had him at my number three pick. That is what he ended up at. For number two, I had Alec Bohm because I was honestly surprised. He seemed to do a lot for the Phillies. He was getting RBIs. He was getting hits. And for a struggling team and struggling offense. He was a bright spot on that team. And number one, as Charlie said, I do like this guy, Devin Williams. He came out of nowhere. I had no idea who this dude was. And then I, I think I saw this Instagram post of him throwing a nasty changeup. I'm like, who's this guy? And then he posts a 0.33, I believe, or 5.3 ERA. Very good, 53 strikeouts in 100 innings. Great player was integral to the actually pretty good bullpen for the Brewers and well-deserved, well-deserved. I think it was a runaway, um, excuse me, runaway uh, first place for him. I don't think anyone, I think it was unanimous. 
I don't even know if anyone else got a first place vote, but that's my NL Rookie of the Year ballot. Charlie, what about you? For my NL Rookie of the Year, in third, I had Jay Cronenworth. Um, I, I really liked him uh, throughout this course of the season and was my number one um, kind of coming to a close of the season. But then I started to notice these new guys, and I noticed Alec Bowman, I noticed Devin Williams, and that's when I started to like them. So second place is Alec Bohm. So it's going to be the same list as it on. But I think Alec Bohm, yeah, obviously a good hitter, 338 average, and I think that um, – uh, that that Phillies team is solid, and in first place I have Devin Williams. Obviously, nasty changeup, awesome part of that Brewers bullpen. I think he will be very good for years to come. My AL ballot, third place, I do have Christian Javier. Uh, obviously, a younger guy for the Astros, and the Astros do have a pretty good young uh, pitching core. And then I thought I thought to myself, you look at Christian Javier, and then you look at the next two guys on the list, and I think it is a very very big uh, difference. Second place, Luis Robert would have loved to him to continue that form that he, that he was on throughout the first month, but he obviously digressed in the second month. So that's why he was in my second place. I already talked about this earlier in the episode, Kyle Lewis, number one, consi- most consistent rookie in the AL. And that's why he won it. So Zidane, what is your AL rookie of the year ballot? Here's our first difference between our list for third place. I have Sean Murphy for the Oakland A's. He was a great catcher. He had great framing, as we saw as White Sox fans in that series. He played quite well. He also hit for power. He had a near 800 OPS, which is pretty good for a catcher. And honestly, very good for a rookie catcher. And it looked to see him to be one of the premier players, I believe, in the AL West. And then for number two and one, I think we already know who it is. Number two, Luis Robert. I believe he has the highest ceiling among all rookies. I believe he is a Mike Trout type talent. I'm not joking. I do think he is that. It's just he needs to work on that average. As said before, September was awful for him. He barely got any hits. He was going 0 for 4, 0 for 3 in every game. Terrible. That's why he's at number two. Otherwise, I would have him number one no matter what. But number one, I do believe well-deserved. He was a great player. I enjoyed seeing him watch. And it actually made the Seattle Mariners not terrible baseball. You could actually watch them and not be like, is this even an MLB team or is it a Little League team? So Kyle Lewis, he played very well for them, had 800 OPS, 11 homers, and great part of that offense and looks to be the leader of that team going forward. Okay, I'm going to go to my NL, Manager of the Year, which is being announced as we speak. We haven't heard of anything yet. We will tell you if it happens. But for number three, I have Brian Snicker of the – Atlanta Braves. He had a great year. And I truly based this on Mike Soroka and Max Reed both going down in injuries and still being able to carry that team. He used guys I'd never heard of and used them quite well. That bullpen, some of those players went down, but they still played amazing in that offense. Played amazing. Had a great year. So, well deserved number three. Two, I had Jace Tingler for the San Diego Padres. Obviously, had a breakout year for Fernando Tatis. And for most of the year, was the most exciting team in baseball. Gave the Dodgers their run for a run for their money in the NL West and looked to be very competitive with the addition of Mike Clevenger at the trade deadline. So, looks to be a very exciting team. Slam Diego is going to be a good team in the future and very fun to watch, unlike most other Padres teams. And number one for NL Manager of the Year, I I can guess Charlie has this dude too. Don Mattingly. Did Florida Marlins look like it was going to be another disastrous year for them under Derek Jeter as he... Uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Surprisingly good year. They had a COVID outbreak halfway through the year. Only almost every player on their team got COVID. But they then came back. They even made the playoffs, which was surprising to everyone. And they beat the um, Chicago Cubs in the wild card pretty convincingly. So, yeah, that's my NL manager of the year ballot. Charlie, you want to show us ours? So my NL, NL manager of the year ballot. In third place, I do have David Ross. I know he's a Cubs manager. I I was going off of the, the finalist ballot for for the manager of the year. 
And I think he's a first-year manager. I think he did okay. But I was just – I was looking at the finalist ballot, and I just put uh, David Ross in last place. Second, I have Don Mattingly. Obviously, blew everyone out of the water when the Marlins rose up and beat the Cubs. They did good in their division as well. And uh, first place, I have Jace Tingler of the Padres. Slam Diego, I mean, what can you say? He is a part of that awesome Padres team, and they'll be great for years to come. So that's my NL uh, manager league bat. Okay, I guess I'll say my AL manager of the year. For number three, I had Bob Melvin of the Oakland A's. Sorry if you can hear the rain in the background. We have quite a storm here. But, um, yeah, he played quite well, and obviously with their small money, great players. So, surprisingly good team, even though Matt Chapman went down. He's, he's always going to be on this list. True, I had Charlie Montoyo for the Toronto Blue Jays. Interesting pick. But with such a young roster and a lot of injuries, Bo Bichette got injured, Teoscar Hernandez broke his finger. So key players went down a lot, but they still made the playoffs. They rebounded from quite a bad start. So happy for the oh, Toronto Blue Jays. And number one, even though he had quite a lot, he had a lot of people were mad at him in game six of the World Series. Kevin Cash, he's just, he knows how to use the bullpen better than anyone else in baseball. He just... I think, uh, Zidane, are you having uh, technical difficulties there because of the rain? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. But uh, Kevin Cash, he's he's so good. It, their development system is – I don't understand how it's so good because you look at the, some of those names, you're like, I've never heard of this dude. Peter Fairbanks, he was such a great lever, but I've never heard of him before. So Kevin Cash is my AL manager of the year. Charlie, you want to tell us your about yeah, I agree with a lot of those picks. So my third place manager of the year battle, let me just get to it real quick. Third place, I have Ricky Renteria just because nobody expected the White Sox to be this good. And I think he managed our team good in the first couple of months, in the first month, but I think he digressed a little bit. But I think with our lack of pitching, I think he did pretty well. Just people um, – People don't really uh, love him because of the last game of the playoffs. And second place, I have the Blue Jays manager, Charlie Montonio. And I think he's kind of like uh, Jace Pingler, the Padres. I think he's part of such an exciting team, and that's why I like him so much. And obviously managing guys like Guerrero Jr. and other guys, and Teoscar Hernandez, I think uh, he had a good shot for second place. First place, I had Kevin Cash. Obviously, despite his uh, choice in game six, I think, he managed that bullpen like no other manager can do. And I think he deserved that spot fully, fully deserved. So Kevin Cash, first place. So now we'll go into our MVP. Zidane, do you want to tell us your AL MVP ballot? Uh, do you want to do Cy Young or MVP first? We can do MVP. Okay. So AL MVP. I think you guys should know who's number one. But for number three, I have Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians. Sure, in the playoffs, you know, he wasn't very good at all. But he was dominant in the regular season. I didn't, I didn't see him have a bad start. A one ERA, fastest player ever to reach 100 strikeouts, deservingly at number three. Two, Jose Ramirez. He had a great season. And I definitely, this is definitely focused on the latter half of the season. He popped off. He hit homers. He carried that terrible offense, honestly. Francisco Lindor had a bad year. Carl Sotena had a bad year, but he was a superstar for them. And then finally, we all know it who it is. The best offensive hitter in baseball this year, uh, not named Freddie Freeman. It's Jose Abreu. So good. 19 homers, 60 RBIs in 60 games. Top 10, top 5 in almost every stat in the AO in the MLB, he so deservingly had such a good year, and he was he was the mainstay of this White Sox lineup, and helped fuel it have a great year. 
Okay, Charlie, you want to tell us your AL MVP ballot? In third place, I have DJ LeMahieu. I think he obviously out outperformed Tim Anderson in the average category, and I think DJ, he's such a huge part in the early Yankees order, and he can hit for average whenever he wants. He can hit for power sometimes as well. Speaking of power, in second place, I have Jose Ramirez. I know he is very disliked uh, from White Sox fans because of the walk-off he hit against us, which really uh, showed how bad our second month was or our the last couple months of the season. And Jose, Jose Ramirez obviously hits for power. He is one of the best hitters in the league. First place, Jose Abreu, no doubt about it. I really hope he wins, and I really do think he's going to win it. Homers, he got went on that long home run streak, or long, long hit streak. And as a White Sox fan, what can I say? He's been good for so many years, and I think if this was more than a 60-game season, I think he could have still won the MVP for the American League. So National League, I'll head right into it. Third place, I have Manny Machado. I think just like Tatis and um, some of their other hitters, I think he's a great part for that order. And he had a really good year. I think he's a good fielder as well. And obviously his hitting is what's, what's really good. He can hit for power, home runs all the time. In second place, I do have Mookie Betts. I think what a season he had. Obviously, signed a huge deal with the Dodgers and led him to a World Series title. I mean, I can't really say anything else. In first place, I have Freddie Freeman, best hitter in baseball, no question. He just outperformed Mookie Betts for the NL MVP, but I think Freddie Freeman, Braves, best combo. I love watching the Braves this year. You guys know how much I love that. Not love, I'm not going to say love, but you guys know how much I like that team and how exciting it was to watch them play. So Freddie Freeman, 100% first place it on. What's your National League MVP ballot? Be, be careful how you describe Freddie Freeman. I I'm, I was scared you'd become a bad wa- bandwagon. I don't want that to happen. But anyway, my number three player for the NL MVP is Fernando Tatis Jr. Teammates with Manny Machado. And true, he did taper off in the end of the season. His average went down, but he was still hitting for power. One of the best swings in baseball. His First half of the season was majestic. First month, amazing. He hit homers. He was the most exciting player in baseball. He helped destroy some of the boring unmanned rules that have stood there for 70, 80, not 100 years. So just very fun to watch him. I can't wait to watch him play baseball again next season. Number two, Mookie Betts. He was so integral to the Dodgers winning that World Series in the postseason, even though Corey Seager won MVP. I can say definitely for a fact Mookie Betts was number two in that voting. And then he, in the regular season, he hit 16 homers, had a great average, played amazing defense, as you saw in the playoffs. Then number one, Freddie Freeman, he was just so good. He was the best first baseman in baseball, closely followed by Jose Abreu, but just such a good player. Hit for an amazing average, was hitting 400 at some point. He hit for 19 homers as well, just a great player. And he had a great year. Okay, Charlie, you want to tell us your AL Cy Young? So for my AL Cy Young ballot, in third place, I have Hinjin Ryu on the Toronto Blue Jays. I think he had a great season. Blue Jays, such a fun team to watch, and he was definitely their best pitcher and part of the reason why they were able to make the playoffs. Second place, I have Kenta Maeda. I think that Twins pitching order is amazing, and I think Kenta Maeda – is had a very good season and was improved from last year. In first place, none other than Shane Bieber had a good shout for MVP. I just didn't have him on my ballot because if he's winning Cy Young, you're not going to win MVP and probably not going to get on the ballot either. Shane Bieber, best pitcher in baseball, no question about it. Zidon, what's your AL Cy Young ballot? For number three, I had the Blue Jays rival, Garrett Cole. He had an underrated year. People Thought he was having a bad year, but he ended up with a 2.84 ERA, top 10 in strikeouts, had a great year, and wasn't as dominant as last year. But I'll see, I think we'll definitely see in a longer season, he'll get back to form, same as like other players like Christian Yelich, and he'll just be even better. And I can't wait to watch him in pinstripes. Number two, Kenta Maeda for the Minnesota Twins. It is, it's terrible to have to face him. And my number one pick, Shane Bieber, in the same division. Two best pitchers in the AL. 
He had a great season, came out of nowhere, was a number three starter on the Dodgers, who moved to a certified ace. Amazing. And then number one, Shane Bieber. What can we say about him? He's just so good. Okay, Shane, you want to tell us your NL Cy Young? So for third place in my NL Cy Young, I have Jacob DeGrom. Also had a little bit of an underrated season, but he is good every single year. He's not going to win that Cy Young every single year, so that's why he's in my third place. Second place, sad to say, but you Darvish, I think he had a very, very, very good season, and he was my projected um, Cy Young for the first couple episodes, or the first, mm, I don't know, it might have been the third episode of the podcast, not sure, but awesome season for you, Darvish. I mean, what can I say? First place, Trevor Bauer, one of the most exciting players in baseball along with guys like Tatis vlogged a bunch during this whole uh, corona season and he's such a fun pitcher to watch and most importantly he is the best pitcher in the National League by far love Trevor Bauer hopefully we can get him on the south side Zidane what is your National League sign on ballot as we say again I can get on this on this podcast great minds think alike so I have the exact same ballot as Charlie just gonna go over the picks Three, Jacob DeGrom had a great year again. Not as good as the first two guys, but just he was Jacob DeGrom again. That fastball is just dirty every time. Such a great pitcher. Too bad his team isn't that good. Two, sadly, you Darvish, as Charlie said, even though he's a Cub, he had such a good year. Honestly, I'd, I thought he was going to have a better year than people thought, but nowhere near this. was dominant through almost every start he had. And then number one, I believe one of the most exciting players in baseball, Trevor Bauer. He vlogs. He, he has a passion for the game. And it, sometimes people may get annoyed with it, with how he trashed the Astros, but which is sh- so good. You could see him screaming every time he s- strikes someone out. And on a honestly disappointing Reds team, he was a bright spot. So good for them. Okay. Uh, and I believe that's all the awards we have. Charlie, you want to take us into our next segment? So for our second half of the podcast, like we said at the start, when Zidane was previewing it, we're going to go to every team's best pick for free agent. Now, this is not our picks. This is an article written by um, an MLB guy um, named Mark Feinstein. And what he did, he looked at every team and had his pick. So we're going to give our opinions on his picks and maybe, um, you know, talk about that more in depth and just talk about what we think. So without further ado, American League East, Blue Jays, he has Justin Turner. And I think this is a very, very good pick for the Blue Jays because next year, we all know it, Justin Turner is not going to be in Los Angeles. And I think from one exciting team to the other, I think would be a very good transition. You know, guys like Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Vlad Jr., will be a great fit with a veteran like Justin Turner. Most importantly, Justin Turner has playoff experience with the Dodgers has had some clutch hits. Obviously, that three-run bomb against the Cubs was awesome. Awesome for me and Zidane to see. So that's pretty much it for Justin Turner. Zidane, what is this guy's pick for the Orioles, and what do you think about it? He has the Gio Gonzalez for the Orioles. I, I, I don't know about this because he, he says that they could use him to trade to a contender, but just – does anyone want him? Like, after I saw this here, like, he shouldn't be on an MLB team. He, he, his changeup, I guess, is good, but whenever he throws the fastball, he gives up a hit. His arsenal should be good, and his speed differentials are good. It's just, he's no longer a good pitcher in this league. He was pretty good with the Milwaukee Brewers, but I, I don't really know about this pick. We'll have to see where he does go, because he's definitely not. He's no longer on the White Sox. Okay, Charlie, who's he have for the Rays? This is an interesting one. Yes, definitely. It's a very interesting one and one move that if this guy goes, I would love to see. Tampa Bay Rays, this guy's James McCann. And I think this is a very, very interesting pick. If James McCann, if we don't end up re-signing him, I think this is a very good fit for him because the Rays have Mike Zanino. Obviously, hit okay in the playoffs, but no really Rays hitter except from Arena. Arena. And maybe G-Man Choi was consistent in the playoffs. But Mike Zunio, obviously a good fielding catcher. But James McCann, obviously in 2019, one of the best catchers in the MLB, made the All-Star game. And as coming from a White Sox fan, I would be happy for the Rays if they could get James McCann because James McCann is a very good player. He's a nice guy. He, he can also hit the baseball pretty well. And I think that's a good signing 
for the Tampa Bay Rays. Who the Red Sox got it on? Yeah, it's Jake Odorizzi for the Boston Red Sox. And I do agree with this pick because they are in desperate need of starters. Where Chris Sale still needing to uh, men from Tommy John. He'll probably be ready in, by in within a month of the season. But Jake Odorizzi could help be their number three starter because they're really missing that. They give up a lot of runs. They had no bright spots on that Boston Red Sox starting rotation. So that's very important for them to get. And I I like this underrated pick. Okay, Charlie, here's another interesting one for you. Who do the Yankees pick up? I'm getting pretty lucky with these interesting picks because the Yankees, this guy projects them to get Charlie Morton. I don't know if it's projects or just he thinks it's the best for them to sign. This is a guy I would love to have on the White Sox. Obviously a great pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays was decent in the offseason as well. And I think after Garrett Cole and a couple of the other good Yankee pitchers, I think Charlie Morton would be great to have as like a three or four and could, you know, come out of the bullpen sometimes. Maybe if they make the playoffs, I think they definitely will. But Charlie Morton, what a guy. I would love to see him um, right here in Chicago, but maybe he goes to the Yankees. We'll see about that. Transitioning to the AL Central with the Cleveland Indians. This is enough. This is an interesting one for you, Zidane. He has them taking Jack Peterson, and I do like this pick. He has said, you know, the Yankees might be after him, but Cleveland's offense was terrible. Their outfield specifically had no bright spots, terrible players. I can't even name a starter because they wouldn't be a starter on any other MLB team. So they he they ranked last in home runs, extra base hits, and OPS in the American League. So they definitely need that help. And as you saw in the postseason, when after the 60-game season, a lot of players, once they adjusted, and you saw that with Jack Peterson in the postseason, he adjusted to being back in baseball, and he played very well for the Dodgers and helped lead them to a World Series. So I do like this pick for the Cleveland Indians. Okay. Who does he have going to the Royals? This is a not-so-interesting one. Robbie Grossman. Obviously, the Royals are not good, and they need hitters. And Robbie Grossman, I think, is a decent Pretty consistent hitter, and the Royals, they need to improve. They're far from success. Uh, just a little short note there. Detroit Tigers, new manager A.J. Hinch, but who else will they be signing to? The Detroit Tigers will be signing Jay Bruce, which is an interesting one because he didn't really have that great of a season last year. He's getting a bit older, but, I mean, for such a bad outfield, you could definitely use this pick. and. Jay Bruce, he hits homers. He's definitely going to provide that middle-of-order dinger hitter for the Detroit Tigers. So that's a good pick. I like that for the Detroit Tigers. Okay, here's another good one for you, Charlie. Who did the Twins sign? We might even have a debate. Marcus Stroman. Now, this is interesting because he made the tweet that he does not want to play in Chicago, so that is probably out, out of the window already. But – Obviously, this is the biggest, one of the biggest pitchers in the free agent market right now, and any team would be lucky to have Marcus Stroman if he can stay healthy. Just a quick note, he could still um, accept the $18.9 million qualifying offer from the Mets, so he could uh, go to, he could still be in New York, and with that hopefully exciting team in the near future, that could be good for them. But the Twins, man, what a pitching order that could be. I mean, Kent Maeda and then Marcus Stroman, they have other guys as well, and I think that would be very crazy, and I will not want to see that because Marcus Stroman, I do not want him anywhere near our division. Now, Chicago White Sox, long-awaited. We have not mentioned this name, and after the playoffs, I believe we should have. Zidane, this is an interesting one. What is it? I'm very happy about this pick, and if we do get him, I believe it will be the best offensive baseball, only right, the only right, only team that could rival us with being the Dodgers, Marcelo Zuna, the best DH in baseball he, as you said, as we know, Edwin Encarnacion's team option has been declined. We don't have him anymore. We have an empty spot there. If we were to sign Marcelo Zuna, that would be amazing. He's such a good hitter. He had 18 home runs. I believe he had 1,000 OPS this year. Such a good player for the Braves. Even though Freddie Freeman was amazing, he had just as good as a year. And I would be very happy with bringing him over to Chicago. Okay, here's a big one. Who do the Angels sign? I think this could work for a lot of teams, but the Angels, this guy wants them to have Trevor Bauer. And this is 
out of the teams that are rumored to get Trevor Bauer. Obviously, there's a lot of teams that are rumored to get him. But one of the hottest is the Anaheim Angels – or not – Ana. I mean, Los Angeles Angels. You could say either one. But Trevor Bauer, he obviously – he attended UCLA. And so a move to um, California, back to California, would make perfect sense. I mean, this is what the guy says in his article. I'm just completely agreeing with him. And obviously, they could build around Trout, Otani, and then getting Bauer – Angels have a lot of money to spend, so I think that Bauer Bauer move could be good. Now, for the Houston Astros, who do they got? I believe this is a good pick for them. JBJ or Jack Lee Bradley Jr.? He is a great defender, if you've seen many times with those highlight reels. And he had a surprisingly good hitting season this year, especially in the last month of the season. He had pretty well for that bad offense, honestly. He had a 283 average, 364 on base percentage. So a pretty good player. And with the Astros definitely not having George Springer anymore and Michael Brantley now sliding in that DH spot, they could, they're could they definitely in need of another outfield alongside Kyle Tucker. So I like this pick. It's an underrated pick. He won't be the best player on the market, but I do think he'll positively affect that team. Okay, here's one for the Athletics. So they projected to, this guy projects him to get Kirby Yates, a closer. And obviously, Liam Hendricks is probably going to go, maybe a couple of their other pitchers in free agency. And I think Kirby Yates would be uh, – it, w- it would make sense, maybe not the most exciting, but they, they're going to need a sort of veteran-ish closer for that uh, pitching order for nearing the end of the game. So I think that's a, that's a decent pick. Now, young Seattle Mariners, Kyle, uh, Kyle Lewis, who else do they look to sign? I honestly think this is an interesting one. This is Taewon Walker, which is interesting because they did deal him to the Blue Jays during the trade deadline, and he was not good for them. So he does say that, like, he's the team is built around him. He's part of their culture. But I just don't understand this. So we'll see what happens. But I just don't think a team would trade a player and then just have just to re-sign him to a bigger contract. So. Interesting pick. Here's a name that's known but hasn't been that good recently. Who do the Rangers sign? Quick note, I have a Taewon Walker rookie card, so rookie autograph card. So I think if he does good, if he goes to the Mariners and does well and blows up, that would be good for me. But not so likely because he has not been good over the past couple years. Anyway, Ryan Braun, Texas Rangers. Now, I said last episode that the Rangers are not exciting, and I said at least they have a new stadium. And this pick is not exciting either. Ryan Braun, obviously a controversial player, but not consistent over the past couple of the past two years. Obviously, a couple seasons before, had a good shot for MVP awards, but now kind of fell off. So moving to the National League with the National League East, Atlanta Braves, exciting team. Who do they look to get? Here's a name that most people aren't really familiar with. Same here. Brett Anderson from the Milwaukee Brewers. He's a good, you know, middle of the middle of the bullpen guy. Can throw an inning or two for you if you need him to. He may suffer. He may give up a few runs, but, you know, he may get a hold of two. So I don't really know how to say this pick. So, okay, I guess. Who do the Marlins pick up? Oh, and by the way, some recent news I forgot to say. Don Mattingly, the Marlins manager, wins NL Manager of the Year. So, Troy, they have a manager of the year and a pretty young squad. Who do they pick up in free agency? Cesar Hernandez. And I think this is a decent pick for the Marlins because they just need to keep adding guys with a decent amount of uh, experience, obviously fielding-wise. And I think Cesar Hernandez would be a perfect fit for them. Now, New owners, Mr. Cohen, who will he look to sign for the New York Mets? This is a big name, JT Rumuto, the best catcher in baseball. And I've seen this a lot because the Mets want to be competitive in this division. They have their pieces. They do have Jacob DeGrom. They have Pete Alonso. They have Jeff McNeil. They have Dominic Smith. They have pretty good pieces. Their offense with Michael Conforto as well has been pretty good. And just to add a catcher other than Wilson Ramos, JT Ramuto, he'll give you an 800 OPS. He'll give you amazing fielding and surprisingly good speed for a catcher. He is the most well-rounded and the best catcher in baseball. 
And if the Mets sign him, this could change their fortune, fortune in this division for a while. Okay, Charlie, who do the Washington Nationals sign? I think this pick makes perfect sense. Um, James Paxton, and I think he is a good pitcher, does not throw for uh, the highs ERA, which is very good. And obviously with guys like Strasburg and Scherzer, uh, they look to get a couple more names. I think James Paxton's a good fit. Now, Philadelphia Phillies, we know this guy because he's in our division. Who do they got? They will be getting Brad Hand, which makes complete sense to me. He was a great closer for the Cleveland Indians this year. And the Phillies, that's their biggest problem. Their bullpen posted a league worst 7.06 ERA. That's terrible. No team can win like that. And even with their good offensive pieces, and honestly, surprisingly good rotation, they need bullpen arms. And I think starting with Brad Hand in that, rotate, in that bullpen would be a good move for them. Now we're moving to the NL Central. Who did the Brewers sign? I think this pick makes sense as well. Shrubal Cabrera. Obviously, they do have some problems at third base since uh, Jed Jerko designed, uh, declined his option. And it makes sense. You know, not the most um, insane pick, but I think a Shrubal Cabrera makes perfect sense for the Brewers, and they look to get in that second uh, spot for next year. Now, Cardinals, this is interesting. Is it on? What, do you, what do they have? They have George Springer, which kind of makes sense. The Cardinals have been competitive in their division for a while. I believe they won their division or no, but they've been very competitive. And even with COVID, they played very well when they came back from that outbreak and they need to upgrade that outfield, which ranked 14th in the NL in runs scored. So George Springer, he's a great player. He brings defense, some defense, and he brings a great offensive piece. So they could use him, so this is a pretty good pick for the Cardinals if they can get him. This is, I believe, an underrated pick. Who do the Cubs get? Kevin Gosman. And I think this makes sense because their uh, pitchers starting to digress a little bit. Obviously, Lester, not too, not too good. Jose Quintana, rumors coming back to the south side maybe. And I think they need to add because with after uh, Hendricks and uh, Yu Darvish, possible Cy Young winner, I think there's not much after that. And I think that pick uh, makes perfect sense for the Cubs. Also, just want to add one more time, this is not our picks. This is um, he, this guy. He did a study on MLB, and we agreed with a lot of his picks. So we just wanted to uh, shout that and give our opinions on it. So just to make sure. Now, the Pirates. Now, this is a good This is a good pick, in my opinion. Zidane, who they got? They got Kevin Pillar, who played surprisingly well in 2020 with both the Red Sox and Rockies. He is obviously 31, but I believe he would provide a good veteran presence. And he also includes that the Pirates center field was terrible with a 180 average. Kevin Pillar does much better than that. A 270 player maybe provides pretty good defense. So I like this pickup, and I, could, I think it's underrated. But a strong veteran in that clubhouse is desperately needed for a losing team. Okay, here's a big one. Who do the Reds sign, Charlie? So despite my comments earlier earlier on the podcast for the news portion, they project to get Michael Brantley. Obviously, for the Reds, they could strengthen in a good amount of positions. And I think with that outfield spot and mixed with their uh, hitting in the middle of the order, I think it's, it's a pretty good pick. Obviously, we'd like to see him in, uh, in Chicago on the south side, but Michael Brantley, I think he's a perfect fit for pretty much anyone who's looking for uh, more hitters and maybe a potential decent fielder. So moving on to the NOS, Diamondbacks, we saw this guy in the playoffs. Who is it, Zidane? It is Blake Trinan, who after being amazing for the Oakland A's, kind of tapered off, but he was back for the Dodgers this year, and with Kenley Jansen being shaky in the postseason, he kind of moved into that closer position. And I like this pick because the Diamondbacks bullpen doesn't necessarily have that many names. Their rotation does have Zach Gallen and Mal Kelly, so that will be pretty good. Their offense wasn't that good this year, but if they sign just a few people, they'll be back to normal with Ketel Marte being a superstar. But I do like this pick because they do need bullpen, and Blake Trinan was great this year. So I like this pick, and we'll see where he goes. 
Maybe he goes to a division rival like this dude thinks. Okay, Char, who do the World Series champion Dodgers pick up? Marwin Gonzalez. And the guy who did this study was talking about how Justin Turner is not going to return, and that's obviously going to happen because he's not coming back. And Marwin Gonzalez could be a good fit for a third baseman. And I think that third baseman position, there's not a lot of – amazing players on the market right now and the Dodgers I mean they're such a great team so no matter what they do they'll still be a World Series contender so that's my take on the Marlon Gonzalez news now a little bit less of uh, exciting San Francisco Giants who are they projected to get they're gonna pick up Mike Miner and he he played okay this year wasn't that good but he's shown that he can be a number three pitcher in a rotation so the team that is still trying to rebuild and is still a few years away from being competitive in free agency and in the MLB. I like this pick. It's a veteran presence. It can help down lock down that rotation a little bit more. So underrated, but okay. Here's an interesting one. Who did the Padres pick up? Liam Hendricks to the San Diego Padres. I mean, how more like, – can this get more exciting? Fernando Tatis, their great manager, and now Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks, I know he's not as exciting as Bauer, but he screams every time he gets a strikeout as well. And what can I say? I mean, Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, uh, Fernando Tatis, like I said, their manager. And then adding Liam Hendricks to that bullpen, obviously the Padres need to strengthen pitching-wise, and I think Liam Hendricks would be a perfect addition. I mean, he would be a perfect addition for any team, but Liam Hendricks, obviously, the best closer in baseball, in my opinion, right now. I think that would be a great pick. Now, this is a very – the next pick is a very weird pick. I'm not sure that this is going to happen, but this is what the guy uh, says, even if this guy leaves his – excuse me, if this guy leaves his team. Colorado Rockies. He has DJ LeMahieu going back to Colorado, and I, I, I must – I have to disagree here. I do believe the Yankees will resign him. They need to resign him. He was their, honestly, best player other than Luke Foyt this year. Very important to that offense. And even if he was to leave, I don't think he would go to the Rockies because they're looking to be starting to rebuild. They may even be moving on from Nolan Arenado. And he was largely criticized for not being able to do anything out of Coors Field. So why would he go back? I, I don't understand this pick. We'll see. We'll see what happens in this offseason. Okay, Charlie, you want to close us out. So that's going to do it for episode 11 of this podcast. Uh, Sorry, guys, if the episode was a little choppy. Got some huge storms in the middle of the podcast and some audio issues here and there. But other than that, hopefully the episode was good. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely was fun to make. And this is episode 11. Hope you guys are looking forward to the next episode. Thank you, guys.